Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Whether you're buying a gift for your sugar baby or just for yourself, you can get 50% off at adamandeve.com when you enter the code CANDY at checkout. And that's not all. Adam and Eve will include 10 tantalizing free gifts, a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item all partners can enjoy. Plus, you'll receive six free spicy movies. But the best part is the free shipping. You can get all of this at adamandeve.com using code CANDY at checkout. That's C-A-N-D-Y. So Shelby, what are you getting me? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Candy Girl. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm your co-host, Emily. And today we have two design students who are coming to talk to us about a product that they're designing for a class. Um, Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Brittany Scaliardich, um, and I'm a student at the Austin Center for Design. And I'm Leah DeVito, and I'm also a student at the Austin Center for Design. So tell us about your project. What are you guys working on? Um, so I guess before we jump into our project, I'll tell you a little bit about the school itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Austin Center for Design is a pretty small like graduate program, and uh, students get a certificate in design strategy and social innovation. So it's like a design-focused school, um, interaction-design-focused school, but they focus uh, primarily on humanitarian problems. So a lot of our research projects and design projects have been um, with different non- like, partnered with different nonprofits. Um, and looking into ways we can apply design to social good. Yeah, so we do this methodology where we go out and a large part of what design research is and what human-centered design is, is that it's based in real insights that come from real stories of real people. So a lot of the research we've done for this project and other projects comes from talking to a lot of different people and getting their real experiences in order to have all of our research and things that we put out into the world be based in that, um, that concrete data that's coming from real individuals. Um, and I think we both were, as designers coming in, we're, neither of us are from Texas. Um, we decided to move here for this particular program um, because of this innovation aspect of the program and wanting to be impactful in social spaces. Would you, would you agree? I, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. right. So I guess let's get into the specific social space that you've decided to disrupt i'm in tech so every single time i hear innovation i'm like let's disrupt like (laughs) any word can be put after that sentence (laughs) yeah so you guys are working on a project you're trying to design a a product for sex workers correct yes and um first of all like why i guess Yeah. (laughs) yeah so this is our capstone project and so we were originally prompted by a we have a our school was doing a partnership with a non, local nonprofit that was focusing on financial inclusion spaces and so we as different groups got to choose what we wanted to focus on and particularly in targeting or just you know working with and for populations that are financially marginalized and so Brittany and I were both really interested in this space um, given that we were originally just going to be talking to strippers and it kind of became more broad after that. Um, but because strippers have this really um, visceral, interesting relationship with physical cash at the same time that they are being marginalized from traditional society because they're 
profession is heavily stigmatized in like, you know, in pop culture, in regular culture, norm culture, vanilla culture. Really everywhere. Right, yeah. everywhere. So, but in terms of thinking about it from a financial aspect and like from who's actually being excluded from the systems, it's like strippers, it's huge. And then from there, when we started digging into that research, we started talking to people, we found out that like a lot of these professions kind of overlap with each other in sex work. And so we branched out, we kind of uh, blew out our who we were talking to and open it up to more just general sex work, sugar babying, um, webcamming, um, escorting. Is there any other creative, other creative avenues? There's so many different kinds of sex work yeah, we realized. So many. Yeah. And so, um, we found out that there's so many more interesting stories that, and struggles that happen within that realm that are not just related to financial mm-hmm. problems. I don't know if you want to speak to that anymore. We were really interested in the role that sexuality uh, plays in and receiving an income, especially for women, female identifying workers. Um, so we want to dig deeper into kind of the nuance that goes on there and like taking a step back. Sex work is probably the oldest profession in history. Yes. Um, I've heard that so many times here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it truly is. And there's the thing that people don't necessarily look at are there have been people doing this work not only is it the oldest profession but this is like the oldest source of like workers and I feel like that goes overlooked the fact that there are human beings doing this work every day since like the beginning of time um so even that in itself is so critical that there's this mass group of people who are doing this type of work and there's not a lot of products and services that exist to support them in that work whether or not like society may agree or disagree with it like this exists and we need to support human beings who are doing this every day um so for us a big part of it was um one the financial inclusion piece like how uh, can human beings be better supported as they do this work and like try to um like have a good um uh, like have a have a decent like living wage um but also other ways to support them in like just doing this work in and out. So that's kind of extended itself into community support and um, health and wellness and safety and medical. So there's all these different ways to actually create like supportive systems and, and tools to help people doing this stuff. And especially because as you know, and I'm sure, and I've heard you talk on the podcast about it, that this is like such a hot topic in popular culture right now as well. Like it's all kind of coming to a head. So while it's like the oldest profession, we also have this moment that's happening in, in you know, women's rights. Uh, women are having a moment in the United States and also with things like hustlers coming out. Um, you know, this is becoming something that's like more in the public eye. And as we know, like recent laws being passed that are kind of making this something that is really relevant to the time. So we wanted to work on a project too that is really important to us, important to impactful for people and something that needs to be focused on now. Yeah, there's a conversation starting and we want to be a part of it. Yeah, it's so whack that it's, you know, taken laws this this long to be formed when let's be honest, half of Congress probably has a dominatrix. (laughs) (laughs) With some of those decisions, I would want to be whipped for them too. (laughs) Anyways, um, so what's, what is the product that you guys are trying to build? So the, the product is, um, it's called Poppy. Um, and it's basically going to be, or it's, in its blue sky format, meaning like the idealized version of it would be a peer-to-peer resourced uh, platform, online platform, 
where sex workers would be able to chat with each other. They would be able to exchange information. And in the most blown out version of it, be able to exchange um, homemade products between each other. Like a lot, we found that a lot of people like make their own clothes, make their own shoes, things like that. So, but the idea behind it would be able to create this like safe space where they would be have this, an exclusive online space to exchange all this information. That being said, we're in the process of that where we're we've been prototyping it, but we haven't launched anything. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, and learning a, lo- a lot about the legal spaces that this that makes something makes launching a product like this difficult. Yeah. Um, but that is that would be the goal. Like the goal for the product is to create this exclusive online space that people could chat. That's those things get shut down a lot. Right. So yeah. <laughs> and kind of the way we're envisioning it, um, we see places online right now, like Reddit, for example. There's a sub subreddit that that's sex workers only, um, where people can. Uh, kind of share stories and seek advice. Um, but a lot of that oftentimes is getting censored and shut down and is also under the eye of like the gazing public where for us, we want to create something that's kind of making space on the internet for um, female identifying and non-binary sex workers um, where it is invite only and it is a platform where they can feel like they can share stories, seek out advice, find medical or safety tips. Um, Cause if you do a quick scan on any of those subreddits, you see that people are directly telling about good and bad experiences and gaining that peer support from people who actually get it. Um, so for us, that's really a goal of ours is to like harm reduce, create like less opportunity for isolation and like allow women and to just share and connect because that's really what makes community strong. So that is the goal. But to Leah's point, um, even in our prototyping phase, we've come across a lot of legal hurdles that we didn't necessarily anticipate, especially at this small scale, just like kind of validating that this might be something people actually want. Um, So yeah, we are learning a lot about the legal landscape and it's really eye-opening for us. Yeah, we talked to a sex worker earlier who she used to get all of her clientele through Backpage, but now that Backpage is shut down, she's struggling to find clients and she just moved from the West Coast to Texas. So it's even more difficult because now she has to start all over. Um, But yeah, this sounds like it would be a good space for people to, you know, share information. Yeah, Um, I guess I kind of have two questions. First one's quick. Uh, Where did the name Poppy come from? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if we have it. Like, honestly, I don't know if we have a great answer to that. Right. Originally, So originally, we had a different name, which was Pink Matter, which was inspired by a Frank Ocean song. Yes. Oh, I <laughs> fucking love that song. <laughs> but we realized, based on feedback we got from different people that we presented the like the original storyboard to, that that name wasn't going to work for everybody because it felt too... Gendered. Um, yeah, too and- gendered. Yeah, it, okay, I can see that. Yeah, so we decided to switch it. We wanted to keep it like soft and welcoming, but not be like overly gendered, overly girly, honestly. And there's something a little bit um, like, you know, a poppy is like a beautiful flower that also like can have a little twinge of something sinister. So like maybe it's not like bad, you know, because obviously sex work is not bad, but it's like a beautiful thing. I don't know. A little sexy, a little dirty. And sexy, you can get addicted a little beautiful. to it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess another like kind of question that I had, I guess it's more of a clarification. So the product or platform that you're trying to develop is not for 
sex workers to find clients, but rather a community of sex workers to exchange information with each other. Yeah. I guess I'm kind of wondering, to put it blatantly, how is it illegal to have people share their sex work experiences? Because it's not like it's soliciting sure. sex. Mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of... Yeah, that's kind of a lot of what we've been trying to navigate. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how familiar y'all are with FOSTA SESA bills, the Fight Online Sex Trafficking um, and like Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. We're not. Not not at all. Okay, <laughs> this is definitely important stuff. Yeah, this is, this is like, like, <laughs> like, there are so many important issues that I just need to know about, yeah. and I don't. So please educate us and our listeners. Absolutely. Sure. So there is a Safe Harbors Act, um, which it's in the Communications Decency Act, uh, like, not to throw, like, uh, different titles out there, um, but basically what it does is that it allows like digital platforms, um, it makes them, it removes their liability for whatever users post on their platforms. So like if somebody posts illegal activity on like Facebook, for example, Facebook is not criminally oh, liable. that's how they haven't gotten sued yet. Right. Okay. Yeah, under the Communications Decency Act that was instated previously, it's like the safe harbor of the internet. It's what basically keeps us all able to have our own freedom of speech on the internet, right? Really important law. Sick, yeah, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> and fuck with and it. also, but also allows maybe Facebook to like do some. Yeah, it basically. Re- re- <laughs> ah, anyways, <laughs> it makes like it basically makes those platforms, those digital platforms, immune from whatever their users post, so they don't have to necessarily censor as much as they might have. Um, but with the FOSTA SESTA bills, what that does, it basically amends Section Two Thirty. It says that now if there's any suspicion of a user posting content that maybe facilitates, supports, or assists assists sex trafficking, but also sex work in general, um, that now that platform is liable. So there's been a lot of, like, Backpage got removed, um, the erotic services section, and Craigslist got taken down. All these different platforms like Tumblr and Instagram and and Reddit are much more acutely aware and like censoring their users. Um, so the thing is, they're trying to target like advertising and things of that nature. But what that also does is that it removes and censors peer to peer communication of people just sharing stories because now those platforms are fearful that they could be seen as kind of recklessly um, like ignoring that they're partaking in like promoting that type of work so that's something that we're learning that even just peer-to-peer communication is like under scrutiny and could um there's numbers out like 20 years in prison for people who are just facilitating even if to even without their knowledge if you're recklessly facilitating you can face up to 20 20 years is kind of the number we've been hearing quite often oh my god bro what if we go to jail (laughs) good (laughs) also so um first off that's bullshit. So let me get this straight. Because, again, I'm, like, just hearing about this topic. Uh, and I just want to make sure, like, before I go off, <laughs> that I have all the facts straight. So they have this freedom of speech thing, except when it applies to anything with sex work. Um, sex trafficking. Sex but, trafficking. Right. So this was signed in. Those bills were signed into law in 2018. So to try to attack, like, the sex trafficking problems, like, online. But it rippled out into sex work online because all of a sudden consensual sex workers are also inadvertently having their resources being removed. So basically Backpage, 
did accidentally or maybe not accidentally, whatever, facilitate some sex trafficking. So when Backpage got taken down, um, all of those consensual sex workers that were working on that platform lost their entire network. And it put a lot of people out back literally on the street where before they were in charge of their own livelihood, their own business. It took a lot of safety away from them and autonomy away from them as like, you know, having control over their own self and their business where now they have no network. They don't have a way to communicate with each other. So again, with this law, are other things also like do other, I guess, do other illegal things also face the same scrutiny? Because I feel like, you know, when we're talking about sex trafficking and sex work, that's uh, just from my opinion, I feel like there are a lot more female identifying sex workers than male identifying sex workers. But I know there are a lot of things that are illegal. So, mm-hmm. like, is is it the same case for drugs? I couldn't I could not um, say that with 100 percent certainty. I know that like I mean, the Silk Road was a platform that operated really similarly in terms right. of like that got taken down. But the law, I know that the laws they wrote in literally have the name sex trafficking in the. It, so. just, it just feels like they're targeting women when there's a lot of illegal shit that goes on yeah. the Like, of all the illegal shit, they're not even letting people get laid. And honestly, that's not very <laughs> cash money of the government, especially when, like, politicians use sex workers. Yeah. Newsflash. <laughs> and I would argue that, like, the most marginalized sex workers are trans and women of color. Oh, and definitely. they're being pushed even more deeply into the margins with these types of bills. And it's just, like, really troubling for us to, to learn more about the landscape of this issue. Um, there yeah. are so many illegal things going on, and that's the one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I, like, I definitely really? agree with you. It's, like, it's really frustrating. I think we came off of... Um, some of the research and some of the people we've talked to recently feeling really sad about that because it's just, it feels to me personally, like it feels very like a non-consequential thing. Like consensual sex work feels like a thing that, yeah, like everybody, everybody partakes in sex work in one way or another. Like everybody watches porn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so when there are some terrible things going on, it feels weird to have this and it's depressing to have this be so much under scrutiny and um, yeah. And like a very interesting like um, statistic that we came across like in some of our research and granted some of the things we're saying we're still trying to understand and explore ourselves. So we'd welcome any feedback from your listeners around like their insights. Um, but something we have found was that uh, with the introduction of Things like Backpage, actually the erotic services section of Craigslist, when that is introduced, when that was introduced into any city on average, the total homicide rate, um, total female homicide rate in those cities went down. Not just sex workers, females. Yeah. It went down by, do you remember how much? I think like it was insane. 20%? Yeah, it was like an insane number. Just the fact it went down. Like, for not just sex workers, but total but female. female homicide. So clearly this work is having an impact on, like, society and female homicide rate, like, throughout different cities. Um, and actually, we've found that sex work is the most dangerous profession for women um, in the U.S. with, like, a homicide rate of... I think 200 per 100,000 people and the second most dangerous job is like a is a liquor uh liquor store cashier and the difference is four per 100,000 people yeah I did I had read that before yeah or maybe you guys told that to us but I remember hearing about that which is 
absolutely insane. So, so yeah. like those digital tools that can help screen clients are so important, but not only for us, we're not necessarily focusing on client screening. We're focusing on people being able to share information, seek out advice, like exchange stories. Um, yeah, I guess. So I think I asked earlier, or I don't know if I did, but kind of the legal hurdles are you can't accidentally promote sex trafficking. But while, but at the same time, you're not trying to, I guess, like, it's not for trafficked sure. women. It's for women who, well, I guess female identifying people mm-hmm. who, I just, I cannot believe that there's this many legal barriers. Yeah. And, like, and I don't know why I'm surprised, but I am. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of how we felt the whole way is, like, oh, maybe maybe we're wrong Mm -hmm. but then we've kind of just had a lot of things confirmed that the way that these are written these laws are written are really broad ambiguous very ambiguous very broad so even if it's not like oh i'm not starting a sex trafficking website it's like just because it's adjacent to the industry there's a lot of um like people can go after you for whatever they want basically um the line is really unclear and so we're realizing that content moderate like the the few ways that platforms can try to create space and reduce their like legal risks is like through kind of terms of service and moderating what people say but there's so much like gray area as to what kind of content is facilitating assisting or promoting and yeah it doesn't what we're realizing that it's not just directly sex trafficking adjacent or anything just sex trafficking related it, it does seem to ripple out into all types of sex work so that was a surprise to me, and I'm still trying to understand, like, the landscape, but we've, we have talked to some lawyers, and it does seem like kind of anything that promotes, like, different forms of sex work or primarily prostitution, it's been, like, an uphill battle to kind of draw the line as to what kind of content we can allow and what kind of content we need to take down. And the whole point is to create a kind of an inclusive, like, place to share information and feel like there's less censorship than you've encountered on other platforms. And it, it seems like that um, might be a, a struggle, but we're trying to get creative as designers to see how we can find workarounds to help people. That's good. I feel like I have so much to say about this, but I don't want to make this episode super long. I do want to continue the interview, but that does make me really angry, especially because I feel like there are government officials who do partake in sex trafficking I mean, you look at fucking Jeffrey Epstein, who's not a government official, but a billionaire and friends with a lot of government officials. And like, how'd he get away with this bullshit for so long? So anyway, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. We can talk about it forever. Well, yeah. I can talk about this forever. Yeah. But wait, wait, wait. So I'm curious about like how your perception of sex work has evolved throughout this project. Well, I guess I I feel like I may not have like understood the scope of what like kind of sex work entails and it's so nuanced and a lot of our findings are around how much it's not just people people aren't just selling sex but they're selling intimacy um and there's such like an unspoken element of of how much these people or sex workers in general are like kind of offering different forms of intimacy and connection to those who are seeking it out and oftentimes i in my personal opinion, I, I feel like it may be easier on the client end to be receiving or to seek out sex work um, under the guise of sex, but actually truly just seeking like human connection and intimacy that a lot of these, um, the women that we spoke with particularly kind of 
are offering. And so it's almost like a form of therapy that they're giving that they may not have realized they were signing up for, like this emotional therapy as well as not just the physical. Um, so realizing the scope of, of the work and also another f- true finding is how entrepreneurial this space is. Um, and I, I do believe that based on our research that sex workers are basically small business owners um, and should be treated as such because they are running a small business um, in the way that they seek out clients and like offer their products and services. Um, and there's a lot of resilience that's true to this work that it, it may not be true to other small businesses per se. Um, but there's so many kind of nuanced competencies that are required to do this well and to do this um, kind of uh, and do the different aspects of it. Um, so Yeah, I feel like sex workers see more shit than like, you know, a small mom and pop restaurant. <laughs> There's Absolutely. so much intuition and mm-hmm. um, this like gut instinct that you have to follow and train and learn. Um, yeah, I would I would totally agree that the intimacy piece is like a huge finding for me in going into this as well, just in terms of um, in talking to a lot of people, it's like the, the amount of skills that you have to have to do this work that are so emotional, like intangible human skills that are so broadly applicable to so many different spaces and that ability to be able to relate and adjust and adapt to different circumstances and situations and the the amount of resilience that comes with that is so massive and that, that those types of skills are highly valuable, should be rewarded and that society, like it just the, that, and then the flip side of how the, the work is viewed is so stark and yeah, I mean, it's just very, it's very jarring to see mm-hmm. that. And especially to talk to people who are like very clearly extremely intelligent, intuitive, human centered people can be doing so many jobs at once while also taking care of themselves, potentially taking care of like their kids and maintaining this whole life. Um, and also being emotionally available to their clients. That is, most people never have to do anything like that in their lives. Yeah, I've found that, I guess, just kind of going off on like my personal experiences before I was on this podcast, or I guess bes- back back when I had no idea about any type of sex work, even though I almost like very, very closely participated in sex work, fuck, what was the train of thought? Hold up. <laughs> Give me two seconds. You're an emo- emotionally resilient bad bitch. What? I think that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. okay, okay, wait. One thing, Is I that guess, what you were trying to get at? <laughs> okay, wait, wait. I think I, I think I know what I'm trying to get at. So I guess one thing that I learned about the podcast, and I don't want to, like, you know, put down any sex workers that, like, we've met, but I feel like even just doing this podcast, my views on sex work has changed. I mean, obviously, I was always, like, yeah, like, do whatever you want. Like, women making money, like, taking control of their bodies, men too, any person. Like, fuck yeah. But I guess kind of here I realized that I feel like I had these unknown biases. Where I was like, oh, like, they're doing sex work. Like, man, maybe they're, like, down on their luck or, like, you know, especially because this podcast started off as, like, students. And now I know, like, one – that's fucking wrong. Like so many of the sex workers that we've interviewed have been extremely intelligent and they do it because they want to, not because I have to do it to survive. But a lot of them legitimately enjoy what they do, which isn't a notion or isn't something that 
you know, I kind of thought of, I've kind of always thought of it as like, oh, well, work is work. Like people don't really love their jobs. Like some do, but most of the time not. And I guess that's kind of something that I've found. So I guess what are some opinions of y'all's that have changed as you've like started interviewing? Because I know mine have changed a lot. I'll admit when I started this podcast, I was not woke. (laughs) I feel more woke now. (laughs) Yeah. That's a tough question to answer because I feel like personally the extent of people that I knew working in sex work was probably just stripping so or camming a little bit. And um, I don't know how many preconceived ideas I had about it except for that I knew that the only times that I had been in those spaces, I had felt like these people look just like me. Like this woman looks just like me. She's in a really similar position to me. There's not that much different from where she is and where I am. Um, And so in starting to talk to a lot of different people, we talked to a lot of different, um, we talked to people of many different ages and many different life circumstances. And I think that, I don't know if my preconceived ideas change as much as that my scope of understanding of how broad the industry is and how um, universal the experience is. Because we talk to people who are like, you know, um, who are just, who are students and are trying to make it through school. Totally valid. Like, wonderful. Great. See what you got to do. But then, you know, we also talk to people who are down on their luck and are like, you know, this is, this is gonna, this is a thing I know I can rely on. Um, and just the spectrum of how many different pe- kinds of people participate in this work and how broad it is that I think that has opened up for me a little bit in talking to just even we've, we've really only been talking to people in Austin we've, with the exception of maybe two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in that, like being confined to just Austin, we've, we've talked to people all across the board. Right. So it's like when you think about all across the U.S., all of the women who are working in this industry. And, and I keep saying women when I because we're focusing on that demographic, not because there aren't men working in this industry, because we've actually had a lot of men reach out to us and had to turn them away, which is also interesting. Um So, which is also an insight for me because I didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. think about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would just echo a lot of things that Leah had said. We we have spoken to a broad range of ages and people who go into the work for all different types of reasons, some by necessity and some by choice. Um, And exploring kind of, I guess my understanding has transformed in some of like more nuanced ways. and how, yeah, the universal themes like within, I, I would say that a lot of universal truths come out at the margins and sex work is often pushed into the margins. And so there's been a lot of themes that are so um, true to just human nature and like gender conflict and um, like power dynamics. And a lot of that comes out in sex and sex work. Um, and so truly just through our conversations, I feel like, um, through our conversations with the different women we spoke to, I feel like I really was getting a kind of a broader understanding of just like how human nature kind of <laughs> is. Like when you're at a strip club, for example, one of the women we spoke to, she's like, in one second I'm, I'm like working with a like or dancing on a drug dealer, and another second I'm talking to a heart surgeon. And so there is this sense of like this is where all walks of life enter, and I have to kind of navigate each type of person. Um, and try to seek out what they need and how I can provide that service. Um, and it is so emotional. 
So really understanding how they do that um, and how a lot of that speaks to like this greater understanding of like just truly human nature and like gender and power. Um, that's been really eye-opening to me and um, I feel really grateful for a lot of the conversations we've had. Yeah, I think one really interesting thing to me, and I know we're like going super off tangent about like Yul's product. I hope that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that okay, Shelby? Yeah. Okay, cool. Your I, show, I mean, so. honestly, I can, I just need to do so little edits on this episode already. Like, I already know. I could honestly probably just post this raw. This is great. <laughs> this is great. So, so uh, I mentioned earlier, and I'm sure everybody in the podcast like has figured this out by now. I'm in tech, and I feel like I could assign a stereotype to tech workers right now. Antisocial, wearing hoodies, some whack form of shoes, whether that range from either <laughs> Gucci shoes, because that's the only thing that they spent money on, and their entire appearance, or flip-flops, Patagonia. slash sandals, Patagonia, um, drinks White Claw, jewels, um, and every, every tech bro out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. Whereas with sex workers, if I had to, like, assign a stereotype, I'd be completely lost. Because, like, on one hand, I'd be like, well, like, some, you know, down on their luck, practically, like, trafficked because of the way society just fucked them over whereas others are like just taking charge of it like I couldn't put them on a scale like I can a lot of other professions which I just find interesting I don't know that was just something I wanted to make a note of <laughs> I was a tech bro once do I measure <laughs> no up to way. <laughs> we're like the humanitarian tech bros right. so <laughs> currently bro, I, I am a real tech bro to like fit the stereotype exactly mm -hmm. I wear a lot of joggers and my partner is Asian. There you go. Do tech bros drink wine out of the bottle during a <laughs> oh, yeah. studio <laughs> interview? So Obviously our listeners know the way you can tell the difference between the grad students and the undergrads is the grad students have their own cup that they're drinking out of, and us undergrads are drinking out of the bottle. <laughs> we have wine in the studio. Just kind of another note that I kind of want to make, a collective opinion that Shelby and I had formed in all the first time we met you, and even now, is we both walked out. So basically we reached out, or I was on Craigslist looking for more people to interview and I typed sex work. No no sex workers post came up, but that's how I kind of found like these two. And I reached out and we met a, met a coffee shop. And after our meeting, Shelby and I both walked out and we just both distinctly remember Oh my God, they smelled amazing. Okay, like, I thought that's what you were gonna wow. say. Yeah, like, you guys oh smell God. so good. Like, <laughs> very I just, I just want to oh. make it known, like they dress impeccable, and they just smell amazing. <laughs> Let's oh, get this man. on record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dear we're listeners, so you're like in the studio with us right now, and, and that's kind of the impression that like I just wanted y'all to get because I know you're hearing voices, but. They smell and look amazing. Oh my god! Wow, <laughs> you're making that's me. very. Flattering. I don't know where to put that, but put it this somewhere. This is perfect. No, this is perfect. I'm blushing. I know <laughs> y'all can't see that. Um, do you guys? <laughs> do you guys have any like final thoughts or like while you have this platform, any people that you'd want to reach out to, or like ways that if sex workers were interested in talking to you, they could contact you? Yeah, I mean. Um, so I think we really want to say that, and maybe you'd actually be better talking about this than me, but, um, since we're focusing, since we're designers, we really want to drive home the idea that design is a, a way, it's one way. There's a lot of different ways that we can tackle issues in the United States and like in this work in particular, but that 
design is a really concrete way that we can be going about trying to solve problems and systems that affect real people. And that that's what we're trying to do. But I think that collectively, like the um, in this time that can be kind of here and there, so to speak, <laughs> yes, um, that there are little lights at the end of the tunnel that say like, we can make a difference in this space. We can, we can, um, you know, we can help people. Yeah. And I guess to that point, um, as we navigate, like we are students and we are trying to understand how we can apply design to do better than maybe we have in the past or other companies have had in the past. So really focusing on designing for inclusion and especially with marginalized groups, how can we create space and shed light on the the experiences and stories of people who aren't necessarily put first or taken into account and design like is a way to kind of execute that in the real world or, or try to create space for those stories to be heard and for products or services to to serve those people. And then outside of that, I would just say, like, stay up to date on on the different bills and laws that are being passed. Um, I do, as I'm continuing to understand this space, I do believe the First Amendment rights of of sex workers are being entirely challenged um, on the Internet specifically and otherwise for that matter. But it has been very eye-opening that their freedom of speech is Yeah, I just cannot believe, like, cigarette companies, you know, like, vape companies are able to literally give people health problems but like we can't advertise good pussy (laughs) (laughs) but you know who can so this is an interesting thing there's a loophole um if you're victoria's secret or playboy that's so true that is so true so that was like an early thing we like got in on was like there are things written into the code of conducts for facebook and instagram that allow platforms like uh, like that who have a lot of money basically to be frank, to kind of get around those advertising, you know. Fun fact, I think either the CEO or somebody who started Victoria's Secret was really close with Jeffrey Epstein and was actually the person who made his financial advising. His name is Les Wexner. I'm from Ohio. And Les he Wexner? Yeah, like yeah. all of Ohio State's, like, everything. Yeah, yeah. It was actually the person <laughs> who kind of gave Epstein his big breakthrough. It's true. Um, do with that information what you will. <laughs> but a last thing that I would want to say, too, is that if you are a sex worker and you're listening to this and you want to get in touch with Brittany and I, we totally would love to talk to you and love to include you in our research and in our project. And um, it's Austin Center for Design is where we're studying. And we can um, give you guys our emails so that <clears throat> you can have that posted, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll definitely share that in the description of this episode and then we'll also put it on our social media when we share this out wait Um, i had two more questions (laughs) i like i like type questions as i interview people otherwise i forget so i guess are there any products that you guys have found or like research that you think sex workers should know about that are already out Mm. there was a platform called sweater which was like um it's I might be wrong. I think it's we like, we just found we out learned about, about this today. this morning. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure the state of it right now because I've seen the site up and down. Um, but it does seem to be like an exclusive space for for sex workers and potentially clients as well to connect and communicate 
Um, there's also for strippers in particular, there's dancers resource. Um, they have an Instagram account, an app, and I think a website as well. And so that's a space for them to exchange like information about clubs. Yeah. Um, in particular. So, and then there's one more podcast, not to compete with y'all, <laughs> but, uh, actually El Stranger is her name. She, um, is I think her website's called stripperwriter.com and she has a podcast called Strange Bedfellows. But she does a lot of um storytelling around different um just like topics that people are, are facing and she has a really cool perspective. I would I would definitely plug that. We follow her on Instagram. Cool. <laughs> tight. tight, tight, tight. So it's twenty twenty, so you know, women help each other instead of competing with each other. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um <laughs> Another one's just kind of like a fun personality question. So after what you guys have learned, what type of sex work would y'all want to participate if you had to participate in a form of sex work? That is a fun one. I love that question. I feel like camming opens the door to a lot of uh, creativity with like how you can. (laughs) I'm like, well, I always been interested in film. (laughs) (laughs) And I love Instagram. Right. (laughs) I think there's like an opportunity to get really fun and creative with that. So that I would be- definitely want to be a stripper because I want to be jacked. Like, okay, strippers oh, yeah. are like so fucking jacked. Yeah, has every stripper that you've interviewed just been like total bad bitch? I mean, everyone has been. Like, but, like literally you know, every yeah. sex worker we've ever had on the show, I am like dominate me. Like, I'm obsessed <laughs> with you. Well, I love the like um the role of music and because oh, we've, yeah. we've definitely heard like some clubs that allow you to pick your own music and some that don't. And I could imagine like oh. that would change everything for it me. It would change everything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Shelby, what about you? I'd be a stripper because I like being the center of attention. <laughs> I'd, I'd awesome. definitely, that surprises me because hear me out. I want to beat the shit out of men. Oh, dominatrix. I, I would actually, I would love to be a dominatrix we as go. well. I could be both. What are you talking about? The fun thing is you can do it all. You exactly. can do it all. You can, you can literally do it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if you guys have any questions or if there's anything you've heard that you want to comment on, you can email us at candygirlpodcast.outlook.com. Um, if you want to get in touch with Brittany and Leah, you can also email us there or you can email them. Again, we'll put that in the description of this episode or we'll um, include it in their social media posts about this episode. It's yeah. poppyforum at gmail.com. Let's do that. Yeah, let's use so, that. One. All right. So you can contact, or actually, Shelby, you say it. Yeah. So you can contact Brittany and Leah at poppyforum at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at candygirlpodcast or on Twitter at candygirlpod. Leah, Brittany, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Coincidentally, on International Sex Workers' Rights Day, which like was not planned is it? at all. It, today is oh international. Yeah. Tonight, I was going to show you. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. There's an event going on tonight that we're going to go to <gasps> in celebration. Go. Yeah, you guys should totally come. It starts at 10, but you should come anyways. <laughs> Hell yeah. We'll probably be drunk. <laughs> it's like, we show up. <laughs> and we'll hear from you guys next Friday.